And how many people are we reaching typically? Oh, we got three check marks, and that means we're live. And uh, today we're going to be talking with Mitch Russo. How you doing, Mitch? Awesome, David. How are you? I'm great. Great. Let's uh, let's start the show. Okay. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the broadcast podcast YouTube channel where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things. I talk to interesting people and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like, be sure to hit subscribe and let's get to it. Awesome, Mitch, it's great to have you on board. Um, you and I, uh, uh, I think I was on your podcast maybe four or five years ago. It's been quite some time. And a lot of things have happened since then. And uh, I wanted to have you on the show because, um, you know, anytime I have a chance to talk with someone who has been around in the world of business for as long as you have, you've, you've done a lot of stuff, you've seen a lot of things. And I want to get a little bit into your history because you actually had a very successful software business that you exited. What, can you start off by giving us a little bit of that background story? Sure, sure. So, so I was working in the semiconductor industry as a sales rep, and um, it was very exciting at the time. And I was sort of on the peripheral side of the business, watching as all these great companies were starting up and growing. And uh, and I felt like I was part of that because I my products, my semiconductors, were embedded in many of the products that they were shipping. But, but I, I knew I wanted to be in a technology business. I have wanted to be in one all my life. So I had an idea. I brought it to a close friend. Uh, and for, for just for conversation purposes, I didn't expect what was about to happen. In fact, we had breakfast together. I told him what my idea was. And we even sketched it out on a little napkin and stuff. I still have the napkin somewhere. And... Uh, six weeks later, sort of like as a surprise, he called me up and said, come on over, I want to show you something. And sure enough, on his screen, he literally coded a prototype of what we were talking about. And uh, I said, well, you know, uh, we can start a business around this. And he said, great, let's do it. No hesitation. He just said yes. And so we both put $5,000 into the bank. Yeah. And that was the beginning of, of our business. And so what, what year was this? What, what time are we talking here? 1985. <laughs> 1985. I think that I had a Coleco Atom computer at the time. So do you remember those? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I had one too. <laughs> so, so what was the software? What, what was it doing? Well, it was it, the whole idea is I wanted to capitalize on the rise of the PC, this whole new paradigm shift away from um, non-IBM, non-Intel uh, to IBM slash Intel PCs, we, I knew that that was going to be huge, and so did Bill Gates. Uh, yeah. Bill knew it better than me and uh, came out first with products like basic compilers and eventually CPM, which was, as you know, an operating system he purchased, he did not create. Um, but but luckily for us, what ended up happening is we joined the marketplace as the operating system got a little bit more sec secure and stable. That was called DOS. Mm -hmm. And we, we 
had this idea for a pop-up time tracking tool. And that was the core idea of, of the product. We had a couple of uh, pivots along the way, um, but eventually what we settled in on was building time and billing software for lawyers and accountants. Okay, so so an easy way on the computer for, for lawyers and accountants just to keep track of whose file they were working on so that the billing could be sorted out later. Because I would imagine in a manual tracking world, if, if people forgot to make notes along the way, they would end up with time at the end of the week that they, they wouldn't know how to allocate. Exactly, exactly. And so what we did is we made the process of keeping track of time easy. We made the process of billing simple. And we brought that all to the front office, to the lawyer's actual workstation as opposed to it being back office where it used to reside for most of the legal profession. Okay. And so this was 1985 and then you eventually exited from that business. Uh, how long were you in it before you had the opportunity to leave? Uh, we're in about nine years total. And um, we did ne we never took investment money. We never took venture capital of any sort. Uh, we just basically operated the business out of, a, out of a checkbook, you might say, with a little bit of a credit line. And um, uh, there was a point in time when um, we decided that we had wanted to start considering selling the company. So I started uh, canvassing the market and looking for some buyers. I located two at the same time, created the equivalent of an auction environment. And uh, we were able to select between those two and the best price. Well, that's awesome. So um how big had the organization grown by that time like how many uh at that time were you selling one-off copies of the software or was it a licensing arrangement or how did you do it in those yeah, days we were selling we were selling packaged software it was a physical product we actually built a manufacturing facility uh we had by the time we sold the company we had already uh sold to over about a quarter million people so wow. we had a lot of customers uh, a lot of law firms, law firms kind of adopted our product as a standard. Uh, and now um, when a law office would open, they would buy a copy of time slips for every station. So when, when you exited from that business, that's when you got into the coaching in the field? Yes. What ended up happening is I sold the company. Um, I, I moved to Dallas, Texas to earn out uh, for, for several years while after my earn out was over. The, uh, the, the president of the company asked me if I'd want to help run the company and the U.S. division in general of Sage PLC. And I said, yes, I would uh, sign on as the chief operating officer. I, I did that for two years. Then I moved back to Massachusetts, uh, basically jobless at that point, but, you know, uh, a bank account filled with money. So uh what what ended up happening was now people were seeking me to say hey mitch you just did this how can i can you help me do this too and back uh really in 1998 i became officially a coach so what's interesting to me about this particular chapter in your story is that nowadays we hear about business coaches quite often but i don't think in that period uh, people were really aware that this was a thing. Um, were, were people coming to you kind of like they were looking for a consulting solution to help them along? Or how did people uh, verbalize what it was that they were looking for from you? Well, one of the first things I did when I got back was I, I, 
uh, I put a list together of all the VC firms in the area. Uh, and I sent them a letter and said, hey, look, uh, you know, if you're like most VC firms, you have uh, 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 investments you've made called Walking Dead, which hasn't worked out quite so well. Uh, you should hire me. I will debug the problem and get them restarted and make them uh, turn them profitable in a very short period of time. Uh, and then I started at that point attending angel investor meetings at the same time. So I was being exposed to entrepreneurs for, at every angle who were struggling to get their mm -hmm. startup to the point of wanting to either be funded or be sold. And and so was it the VC firms that eventually hired you on or was it some of these these companies that knew that they needed someone to help stimulate some change? Well, the VC firms actually were not hiring me on. That was the interesting part of the story. Uh, these small companies immediately realized who I was and what I had done and they started bringing me on board. Um, but the VC firms, after like months of not hearing from any of them, I called one up and said, hey, I am just curious. Why, why haven't I heard from you? And they go, oh, Mitch, I'm sorry, but, you know, don't tell anybody I'm telling you this, but you're too old. I said, what? what? Well, you're 44 years old. All of our CEOs are in their 20s. And I said, I, yeah, but don't you want somebody who's kind of been through this, done it, and now can help others do it too? They said, well, yeah, but that's not really the, the that's not the profile of who we typically look for. I said, hey, no problem. Years later, then they started hiring me once I started helping their investments, their yeah. companies that had contacted me. That's when they started bringing me in. And eventually, one of them was crazy enough to pay me a ridiculous amount of money. And I actually came on board as the CEO of one of their one of their startups. So how long was your tenure with a lot of these companies? I mean, you were coming in to try to address a certain problem. Were you like, what was sort of the length of, or what, were you right inside the businesses trying to help them out? Or were you kind of on the outside meeting with them and coaching them along? Uh, it was a combination. Uh, in one case, I literally showed up uh, one day a week and took an operating position inside the company. Uh, there were other companies I sat on the board uh, and there were third, a third type of company where I would advise on a very regular basis, the management team. I might come in or, uh, or do it over the phone. I preferred going to visit the company. I always loved seeing the environment and, and we'd sit in a conference room for two or three hours, maybe once or twice a month. And, um, and I would make a list. This is really where I learned how to hold people accountable. I learned all about goal setting and goal tracking and, and I discovered that this was the key to making success in any business is to set goals and have somebody hold you accountable to meet them. Did you evolve a certain kind of framework that you started to use uh, yep. around this time? Um, can you give us some examples of, of some of the things that ended up happening with some of these firms? Well, sure. Uh, first of all, in some cases, I literally wrote a check in, and participated in the funding as well. So uh, when the dust settled, I had uh, helped fund 19 different companies. And, um, and unfortunately, timing was not great for me. It was right before the dot-com bust. So many of those companies, uh, even with good business models, went bankrupt and went out of business. <clears throat> but but uh, I had made some good choices. I made some bad choices. But some of the good choices I made... Uh, turned out to work out quite well and pay me a multiple of, a, of my initial investment. So um, overall, I, I would say I pretty much broke even for that era. 
But um, in many cases, we were able to rapidly, uh, you know, integrate and expand the marketplace and then grow within that marketplace and attract uh, potential buyers, which is, again, was always the goal with these startups. Uh, with my coaching work and what I do with clients now is I set up a framework right away. So when I work with somebody, we have a two-hour session to start with. And in that two-hour session, I'm literally building a two-dimensional map, the mind map effectively of their entire business. So in two hours, we create a business plan using a mind map. Uh, and then at that point, I assign homework and set goals and my clients help me set their goals for them. And then we track those goals every week. I have a special software product that I use for all of the accountability, goal tracking, note taking, homework delivery, appointment setting, and all of the elements related to the mechanics of the coaching environment. Okay. And, and so at what point did the, did your business evolve to the, to the state that it's in today? Was it sort of post.com bust that, you know, because you're not just working with, with tech firms today, right? No, I work with all types of companies. And, um, you know, what ended up happening is that after I left, after, after I left Sage and returned to Massachusetts, um, I, I decided that I wanted to further my education. So I went back to school and got a degree in finance for trading options. So I became a professional options trader and I mentored with a gentleman on the Chicago CB, uh, the Chicago Board of Options Exchange. And, and I traded right through the crash of 2008. I don't know if you remember that. Um, but I do. Yeah, a lot of people do. And around that time, um, you know, my, my friend Chet and I, which we've been in contact over the many years, um, told me one day, he goes, look, I need your help. And I said, sure, what do you need, buddy? And he goes, look, I just need some help here. And skipping all the details, I rolled up my sleeves and I got involved and I started helping him. And within six months, I was running his company. And then um, we decided to uh, 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 have a conversation with Tony Robbins. So uh, him, Chet, had been reaching out to Tony for a long time uh, and finally got a hold of him and uh, created the idea that maybe we could be in business together. And so the three of us met on a Thursday night and we spent every couple of probably two or three Thursdays a month trying to figure out how we could be in business together. And uh, over the course of about four months, we came up with the concept of Business Breakthroughs International. Mm -hmm. um, and then we set up a, uh, an event in Las Vegas. Uh, we brought everybody to that event in our world that we could. We brought 500 people into that auditorium. Uh, we recorded over 50 hours of content and that became the basis of our product line for Business Breakthroughs International. So, you know, this is kind of exciting. I mean, everyone knows the Tony Robbins name. I mean, he's quite famous in the whole personal development space and the, you know, walking on, on the hot poles and all that kind of stuff. So what, you know, you, you mentioned that you met several times over a couple of months to work on building this thing. When, when you approach an organization like that with your idea, with your ambition, um, can you tell us a little bit about how you, how you framed the pitch to, to be enticing to them? Like, um, because I'm sure that an organization like that probably gets solicited a lot. 
you know, from people who have different ideas that would obviously love to leverage their brand in order to to try and, and access those markets. So can you give us a little bit of insight into, into how you pulled that together? Yeah, I mean, it, it really started out with understanding Tony and his needs. It turns out that, um, you know, one of the things that Tony has done over the years is he's created an incredible body of content. But mm-hmm. we had content, Chet's content uh, was something that Tony wanted uh, to share with his audience. But the other need that Tony had was he wanted to expand his audience beyond his current ability to do so or his current means of doing so. And he saw what we had and the rate at which we were you know, growing and potentially could grow together as a means of furthering his own company's goals as well. So because we understood what Tony wanted, we were able to deliver and position what we had to be as enticing as possible for Tony and his management team. Yeah, it's it's WIIFM, right? The radio station that's, everyone loves to listen to. That's um, right. You know, what's in it for me? You always have to, uh, this is something that a sales trainer, you know, told me years ago, is when you're, when you're gonna be going in and talking to that prospect, no matter what it is you're talking about, you have to pause for a moment and just try to empathize and think about what might be of interest to them and if you're not quite sure, you can ask. Like you can you can ask the right questions that will give you insight into what is important to that prospect to see if if what it is that you're offering is going to be able to fit in. So so you you launched the product with Tony Robbins, and then you know are, you're not doing that today anymore, are you? No, we I I lasted five years, uh, and and my exit was around the time that Chet passed. Chet Holmes was my partner. He died of leukemia or complications related to leukemia. And it was at that time that I, I went on my own at that point. It was 2012. And that's when I wrote my first book, The Invisible Organization. Invisible Organization is, is one that I mentioned in the email that I, that I sent out to everyone here the other day. Uh, because you talk in that book about preparing and evolving organizations for existing in a virtual um, in a virtual way. And I thought, wow, you know, that was pretty prescient of you because here we are, you know, in the post COVID world where a lot of organizations suddenly had to adapt in the same kind of fashion. But how, how was that book received when, when it came out? Were people agreeing that this is the way things were going or were some people kind of uh, doubtful? I, I think a lot of people were very doubtful. And, um, it, you know, remember now this book was released in 2015. And, you know, the idea of, of taking a brick and mortar business and converting it to from atoms to electrons to going completely virtual uh, was a little bit of a foreign concept. So my consulting business around that time was uh, really not trying to present the whole the idea of the whole company going virtual. But why don't we take big, big chunks of the company that are eating up a lot of resources like your call center? for example, and let's making that virtual so that we can shed an entire building with all of the expenses related to that building, yet still get the same results and in many cases, better results by sending all those people to work from home. You know, it's it's interesting that you say that because here where I live, I mean, this is a big industry. Uh, call center, at first it was brick and mortar call centers from big companies in other parts of the world. And then it, it has evolved to the virtual call centers where you'll have 
<clears throat> companies will have an office and they'll have like a training room and a little bit of administrative, uh, you know, space for administrators and stuff. But the majority of the people who are, you know, answering inquiries from customers and everything, they're working from their homes and, and, you know, sort of greatly reducing the footprint and cost for administering and managing that kind of thing. So the, um, and I see we got some questions that are popping up in the in the chat, which is great because we're going to be getting to those as we move along here. Um, and I and I want to thank everyone who's watching and, and who makes a comment, and uh, and thank everyone who's listening to the recording too for for having decided to to listen in. Um, so so Mitch, one of the things I want to talk about here today was innovation and iteration because obviously with your history and background that we just covered, you know you've done a lot of different things and you've been in a lot of these different organizations where um, you've, you've had to make changes in order for these out firms to survive and to thrive, et cetera. One of the, um, you know, one of the things that you and I were talking about when we met a few weeks ago to talk about tonight is we talked about how in your coaching business, you started to notice, just like you're talking about call centers being more efficient if people can work from home, you started to notice that um, you wanted to make things more efficient where you, you, you saw that you were wasting a lot of time. What You want to recount that little story for everyone here listening? Because I thought it was an interesting insight that you had and, and that you could see a solution for it. Right. Well, so I want to start out by saying that I had no <clears> – <throat> I, I love being a coach. I love helping people. I love uh, taking on assignments and solving problems. Um, and so really what I was trying to do was maximize what I would call my cognitive time during the day. But mm -hmm. what was happening was that I was spending about a half an hour on admin between sessions. So uh, I couldn't really roll from session to session because I needed to stop and collect all the information I had spread out all over two enormous screens here and then consolidate that into an email and then get all that over to the client. And then before I speak to them again, I had to open up all those apps and search for their email and review what we did last week. So I said to myself, this, this is ridiculous. There's got to be coaching software that does this for me. And that's when I went down the rabbit hole and started looking for coaching software. Now, my issue is that I, I, I have um, a low attention span when it comes to patience. So I don't have a lot of patience when it comes to learning software. If I can't learn it quickly, I don't want it. And I had subscribed to five different platforms to try and use one of them for my practice. That's all I wanted. I Is that, this, this, Mitch, does that come from your days back in that C prompt world of DOS? You get kind of frustrated having to learn all the command prompts for everything? You know, I unfortunately memorized all of those many years ago. Uh, and if pressed, I might be able to remember a few of them. But the bottom line was that nowadays, I just wanted to do my job. Yeah. And and, and so I, I ended up in, in this in this sort of a labyrinth of complexity of, of software that did things I didn't want it to do or without my permission, like sending texts and emails to clients with reminders. I, I don't want any of that stuff. All I wanted was how do I manage my clients save half an hour per session and have my process available to me in my own in on my screen well i couldn't find it so i decided to do what i think all entrepreneurs decide to do when there is a vacuum when there's a solution required and you can't find it create it and 
So 18 months ago, I set out to create a software platform for coaches with two core objectives. Number one, unlimited everything, un inexpensive. And objective number two was simple to use, learning curve 10 minutes or less. And so I created Clientfolio. It costs $19.97 a month to use. And you will learn it in 10 minutes or less. It's all on one screen. So I've never, I've never had a, I've never done a software startup. So when for 18 months, can you give a little bit for those of us that are familiar with the world of software? So what, what happens over those 18 months? Obviously you begin by sketching out an architecture of what you want it to look like. And then you have to have developers actually work on, on building the parts. Like, can you describe that process in the timeline? Yes. So, and again, this is something that's familiar to me. So it's something I've done over and over again. I've done it with clients, for clients, for my own companies, for my own projects. So here's, here's how I started. I basically sat down with a word processor and wrote up the, the idea of the problem I was trying to solve. And then from there, I created a list of what I would call a feature set, if you will, without a lot of granularity, but just the basic feature set. Uh, and I decided uh, up front that because of my struggle with these other products that it had to be so simple to use that it should, if possible, reside all inside of one browser window, one screen. Uh, and then from there, low cost was easy because I knew that there were a lot of people who, who, didn't, you know, who were just starting out and who needed great software but couldn't afford the 197 or in some cases $397 a month for these products. Um, and also, so the products that you found out there, what world did they come from? Because I'm thinking about other professions where people have meetings and have to take notes, like maybe counselors and you know, people, yeah. people of this nature, right? Like, is that what you were finding out there? Yes, I was finding, I looked for coaching software. There, there's software for coaches. And, and again, there, you know, these, the folks who create it, I'm not going to say it categorically because I don't know every one of them. But it seemed as if most of these products were created by programmers, not by master coaches. So, you know, I'm a very experienced coach. I have a process I need to make sure I am true to. And I need a way and a flexibility to, to enable my process inside of a coaching platform, which, again, nothing worked. So once I decided on the feature set, I then... Um, I, I forgot the name of the tool I used, but I basically created a wireframe of the way the system should work. And I wireframed the entire system and I had the feature set. And then I started doing what I would call a rule definition. And then with any software product, you need to define the rules of who gets to use it under what conditions and how. And so I created all of the specifications and along with the wireframe, I sent that to um, a development company that I know very well. I've worked with them over the years. And I said, uh, how long do you think it will take to create this? And the guy come back to me and said, it'll take about three months. So I said, oh, you mean a year? And he goes, no, 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 it won't take a year. I said, oh, yes, it will. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, no, no, maybe five months. I said, okay, that's great. I get it. I'm budgeting a year. So it actually took more like 18 months. But that included the testing part, which I didn't ask them to do. So we were able to get the product pretty much done in about a year and functional, but very, very, very buggy. 
And so we brought in another testing company, uh, which I had screened through Upwork, and they came in and they did all of the the, the beta testing, if you will. And then I then uh, brought in a team of friends, family members, you know, uh, people who I could trust to test it out and give me feedback. And through that, we made modifications to the way the system operated, made it even easier to use, added features that I had forgotten about or missed. And finally, in March of this year, we uh, we did a soft launch of the product. Uh, now it's in its, uh, we just released the, the second version of it last mm -hmm. week, and it's it's doing great. It, it's I, I find it very interesting to to hear you describe this process because anyone else who I've really spoken to about developing this kind of of uh, product, they've been those developer IT programmer types, right? Yeah. And so the the sort of time and expense of what goes into building it, they kind of discount because they just put all of their own time into it, right? Whereas in this case, you were sort of creating a framework of what you wanted. You were guiding it. And I'm I'm sure that you were like every month that ticked by, you needed to pay them for the work that they were doing, yeah. right? Every week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so getting into this, I mean, you were you jokingly said, Oh, it'll take a year when they told you three months. Um, you obviously had to be prepared for this investment. You know, did you really have a did it end up being the type of investment you thought when you started? Well, the, the, the real answer is no. I mean, and I would bet nobody, it always costs more than most people think. Right. But, but I, I knew that um, I had an idea of the scope of what the investment would be, even on the outside. And I was right. In my own estimates, I pretty much got to kind of where I expected to be. Um, so my desire at that point was to go forward anyway and make this work. Okay. And, and so the, the reason why I bring that up is that you had set one of your initial goals to be a certain price point that you wanted to be able to offer it at. And did you at any point when the investment started to grow larger and larger ever question that concept of what you wanted the price point to be? They weren't related. Um, the price point of the product was designed to meet the goals of the original spec, uh, not related at all to what my expense would be. I didn't care what my expense would be. I already knew what it was going to be, uh, more or less. Um, so Michael... What was feasible and affordable in the minds of those other coaches? I was trying to make this as easy a decision as anybody could in order to, to use the product. So I don't know a coach out there who can't afford the equivalent of uh, at the, at, if you buy a year in advance, you get two months free. So I can't imagine anyone who can't afford $16.66 a month to pay for their entire administrative coaching platform. Now, to be clear, as I said earlier, I focused only on what coaches need. I, don't, I, don't, I did not build a course creation platform. There's no way I would even attempt that. I did not build a financial management system again. There's plenty of those out there, and I don't want to interfere with what people already have. I built what coaches need to coach mm. to keep clients productive and to increase the results they get with their clients. That I accomplished to do that for 20 bucks a month. And so do you – I mean, the fact that this kind of thing didn't exist yet um, and that – and you identified – you already said what you thought about the other solutions that were available out there. 
Um, what I find interesting is that I think that this kind of thing really comes from the fact that you have the necessary perspective, given given the background and all of you know your experience over the years. We've uh, you've got it on your screen, eh? We can share this. Sure. Yeah. I, I'd like to just show some people maybe some screenshots here. I, I've expanded it to the full screen. Yeah. So this is clientfolio.io. And can you give us an idea of what it looks like? Not yeah. everyone on the call is a coach, but I think it's interesting to kind of see. Sure. So uh, this is, I mean, again, what I told you was going to be simple. This is mm -hmm. really the entire system you're looking at right now. So you, you come here, you choose a client. At that point, you are now in your coaching environment, period. All you have got to do before you start your session is check on what you told your client the following week, what the assignment was, mm -hmm. make sure that you cover this. And by the way, of course, they can, they, they get this as a finished email as well. So now I start my session. <clears throat> I'm taking notes. I'm asking my accountability questions. I then literally type in my homework, assign it. Uh, I um, put in any people else I want to copy, which means we can now coach teams as well as individuals. I put in a recording from a Zoom link, and um, I then decide what I want to send, notes, uh, client report, and I'm pretty much ready to go. Now, some of the nuances that make this special are the fact that you have a library of accountability questions that I have used over the years to help my own clients and you as a coach can create as many categories for questions as you like. And you can switch the questions out session by session, even in the middle of a session while you're coaching a client as well. So if you decide that you, um, you know, you, you're dealing with a gratitude issue, you want to make sure somebody is being grateful and you, you all you got to do is select that question and it automatically changes the questions in your coaching screen. The other thing I mentioned earlier, if you remember, David, is I mentioned goal setting. Well, we work with stats, as we call them, and mm -hmm. stats are the equivalent of goals, and you get to define whatever goal you want every single new client that you have. So every client can have a different set of goals or stats, and then every week you just ask them, okay, well, how many calories did you consume this week, or how many new customers did you have, or what was your profit this week? And at the end, they stack up here on the right, all you got to do is click here and you can see the entire history of all the work you've done with that client over time. Wow. Now, when you send that client a homework, what I call the homework report, it looks like this. Now, this is pretty impressive. If you're a coach and you are sending homework that looks like this, your clients are going to be impressed because everything you talked about, here's your homework, all your assignments, all your notes, all your accountability questions and answers, all of your stats, your recording from your last session, your next meeting date, and any attachments you might have. So that's why Clientfolio is the solution that I could not find anywhere else. It's, uh, you know, yeah, I mean that's an, this is impressive. I mean, it, it's it's almost like um, 
I mean, I've created processes before for myself where I've just created like a paper form, you know, with different boxes and things where I have checked things off and, and make sure that certain things are done. But this is like dynamic. It's personalized to each client. It, you know, can be adapted by each individual kind of coach and what their coaching business is. And I, I love the fact that you can link in the recordings from the Zoom calls. And I, so, I mean, I get it. I get how this would help keep you organized. What, how many people do you have on it so far? Uh, well, it's, uh, let's just say under 100 for now, uh, but it's growing. It's growing every single week. We get more and more subscribers. And by the way, some of my greatest suggestions for improvement come from my subscribers. Can I give you one example? Yeah. So one of my clients was saying, hey, Mitch, you know, when I send my homework to my clients, you know, they have questions uh, about the homework sometimes. And so what do they do is they send me an email. So I said, uh, oh, okay, um, what's the problem? He goes, well, I, I get so many emails, sometimes I can't even find the question. So I was thinking about the problem for several weeks after I heard that, and I said, you know what, I have an idea. Why don't we turn the homework email into a two-way conversation? So I brought this to my team. I said, how can we elegantly implement this? And so we now added a comments button on every new homework screen and now anybody can click on the comments button inside their homework and automatically append their homework and their history with the client's question. And then the coach, as soon as they see it in client folio, can answer it right inside the platform. Never leave the screen. And all of that history is maintained with the client records as well. Hmm. It's, you know... It's about having all that stuff easily accessible in one place, I guess, is the is the real sort of advantage that you're looking for. And I can totally understand how, you know, prior to a meeting, you open all that up. It's very easy for you to catch up and, and to, to get your recollection in order as to what happened in the last meeting. How have you found that the tool has affected your workflow? Well, I mean, I, I was spending 30 to 40 minutes per session uh, collecting all of those pieces. I had Evernote. I had spreadsheets. I had mind map products open. I had several tabs open for calendaring and and for Zoom and all these other things. Uh, so I was 30 to 35, sometimes 40 minutes per session. Now it's as soon as I'm done with the session, uh, I, I use a tool called Grammarly. I don't know if you've heard of that. I'm seeing it advertised. Yeah. Yeah. It looks at my at, for spelling mistakes and typos. So all I do is look at the screen after I'm done and Grammarly tells me all my little typos. I fix, I fix all of those. I click send and my client has their homework assignments. And I have a record of the entire session, five minutes. That's awesome. Why don't we take a look at some of the comments here? And now Mitch, you're down in Florida. We've got fellow Floridian Kevin uh, says, good evening. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Um, and then uh, heading out. Heading out to Alberta, I think we have Jamie Irvine, who says COVID-19 has had an acceleration effect on adopting digital technology in the truck parts industry. And I think it probably the same thing can be said for most industries out there. Exactly. Um, I, I know that uh, most people that I'm talking with um, have had to learn how to do things. In, in fact, some of the training sessions that I do um, over Zoom with clients all over, I sometimes do them for a government agency here. And they have a, an education program for local small businesses. And I sometimes do some of these things live. And when everything locked down last spring, 
they had to move to Zoom and they knew that I was doing this kind of stuff all over. So I actually had to train, I went and trained some of the other trainers on how to use Zoom. Wow. So it's, it's definitely something that a lot of people have had to suddenly learn. Um, Buddha Black says, I can relate. Um, and that comment popped up when we were talking about your frustrations um, in getting the software developed on time. Mm -hmm. um, we've got Paul Reed says, impressive software. I can see using this for sales consultants. Interesting. Um, you know, I can remember back in my different sales careers, I was always in very consultative sales processes with a lot of highly complex solutions, mm -hmm. whether in the financial industry or advertising. And some of my conversations would go back and forth for months. We, we would try to use Salesforce and things like that. But I, I can tell you, it was difficult, I think, for a lot of my colleagues mm -hmm. to, to keep the notes appended and amended and updated and everything like that. Have you, have you had any expressions of interest yet from other people trying to stretch this into new fields? I, I do I, all the time. So I have, I have salespeople using this. I have guys who are doing um, work in dealerships, car dealerships using this now. Uh, we have consultants, we have trainers, we even have therapists. In fact, there's one group, again, remember this is all brand new. So just recently we had a therapist sign up and loves using it because they're now doing all their sessions remotely. They brought it to their boss, to the company, and now they're evaluating it to see if they want to roll it out to all the therapists in their organization. Yeah, I can totally see that. I've got a question here from Istanbul. Uh, greetings from Istanbul. How to reach out to Mitch and subscribe? Um, well, Mitch has a website, uh, mitchrusso.com. Um, and I'll put a link to it uh, in the show notes as well here for anyone who's watching during the replay or listening to the, the audio version as it comes along. And they could also go to clientfol.io, clientfolio, uh, if they want to take a look at the software. Okay. Um, another comment here from Paul. I really like how this ties up with the Zoom and you can record. Well done, Mitch. I, I like that feature too. It's certainly, I can understand how that's easy to use and, and how it would be beneficial. What what um, what do you see coming down the pipe? I mean, obviously you see that for you and your coaching business, this particular product is going to make you more effective. What, what do you see on the horizon for business coaching in general? Do you think it's going to become more and more mainstream? Because, I mean, I've certainly seen the growth. You and I have a common friend, Mark, who talks about coaching all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely noticed how it seems like more and smaller businesses are making the investment in some kind of coaching assistance um, to help. What, what do you see coming down the pipeline for this kind of thing? Well, in, to speak in general, um, I think at this point, coaching is a well-established medium for reaching your goals faster than ever before. I mean, I make a promise, I make a very simple promise. I can compress a year of progress into six to eight weeks working with any company owner. And the reason I could do that is because I've seen all of this stuff before. There's very little I have not seen. Uh, and that's why I, and on top of that, I know how to implement. So, I mean, I'll give you one quick tip that I always share with people is that if you're looking for a business coach, the only question to ask is how many times have you done what I'm trying to accomplish and to what level have you done it? And, um, and if you get an answer like, oh, this stuff is all the same, it doesn't really matter, then you, you just run. Uh, but what you're looking for are people who've done exactly what you want to do and have done it over and over again. 
that's how you know you're in the right place. You're working with the right person. And for whatever that person charges, you're going to get incredible value because they are accelerating your progress and compressing time. I I think that you put it in a great way. I, I mean, I, all of my, you know, the, the, I mean, I've got a lot of different business experience, but the area where I'm, you know, really know my stuff in the area I work in all the time is in the transaction, right? Sure. And so I'll help people either exit or I'll help them buy. And a lot of times I'll develop really tight relationships with people when they're going through their buyer journey and executing their deal. And sometimes people will ask me like, oh, David, I really like you. I'd like to carry on. I want to create a coaching relationship with you. And I'll say, look, you know, I, I know that I add value in helping you through the transaction to buy, you know, whatever business, you know, the janitorial business or whatnot. But what you really need now is someone who just retired from this industry who has 30 years experience. Exactly. And that person is going to be a much better coach for you That's because right. all the problems that are going to be coming up for you, they will have faced and, right. and they're going to be much, you know, much better position uh, to help you out. And so then I'm, I'm happy to, you know, have those people go off and find that person. But you're right. It, it, you want to find the person who has arrived at the place where you're headed so that they can show you how they got there. Exactly. And, and you know, once again, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's something that, that, you know, that you should feel either like you aren't enough or, you know, how come I couldn't do this on my own? We all need help. Uh, David, I don't know about you, but I have several coaches who help me throughout my journey every day. I have a I have a physical fitness coach uh, uh, who also advises me on nutrition. Uh, and I also have an investment coach who helps me with my trading. I mean, so I, I work with coaches all the time and it doesn't necessarily, it's not an admission of anything other than I, I value experience and I'm willing to pay to accelerate my own progress. Yeah, that uh, makes good sense. Um, Mitch, uh, I want to thank you for dropping by and spending some time with me and the audience here today and uh, showing your, your product. And I, 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 it's a wonderful story that, you know, all of your experience and, and you know, the different uh, things that you've done over the year, over the years. And um, I look forward to the next time we chat. You got it. Thank you, David. All right. Um, so everyone, listen, um, thank you for dropping by. For people listening to the recording afterwards, it's great to have you come in. And uh, don't forget, um, if you are interested in learning about buying, selling, managing, or financing a business, make sure that you uh, take a few moments and subscribe to my email list. And make sure that if you like the video, you hit the like button because it really does help the YouTube algorithm and, um, and can help spread the word of, of everything that I'm doing to, to other new people. And with that, we'll say see you later. Have a great night.